Hello, welcome to the cinematic comic verse. Uh, but this episode is going to be a little less cinematic and more comic verse. But actually, we might get into cinematic stuff too. Yeah, there's cinema. Yeah, but it's not the typical format we usually do. But uh, of course, before we get into any of this, let me uh, introduce my fellow hosts. Corey and Davis. How are you guys doing? Great. I'm, I'm I'm doing well. I was actually um recently approached to to join a new organization. Uh it's it's some like-minded fellas who uh who who want to just try and promote their their ideology on the streets. Uh they're they're called the Foot Clan, and <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm fitting in quite well. That's a, that's great. I was so confused at where you were going. <laughs> well, we all know that the Foot Clan is way better than the Hand. <laughs> um. So before we even start any of this, I just gotta gotta tell you guys. We had, you know, the retractable dog leash. Of course. Yeah. And when a dog chews on it enough, it retracts into a black hole where you no longer know what's going to happen with it. But you're like, I, I paid good money for this. So you try to fix it. Yes. Yes. I do that. Yes. So we have one. I forget what the, the name of the company is, but it's like rough and rough in Stein or something like that. I don't know. And, uh, Charlotte was taking a stab at kind of getting it, uh, no pun intended. And then she went on a walk and I was like, okay, I'll try. So I had a flathead screwdriver. There was no opening, no screws. Couldn't figure out how to open it for the life of me. So I had like a, flathead screwdriver pressing on it and I was like really really pressing on it and then the flathead slipped out and I stabbed the center of my palm Ooh. and now I can like my ring finger barely moves it was a whole ordeal you guys have any stab wound stories Yes, but I first need to know how open is this wound at the moment? Like, so like how, uh -huh. it turned out to not be as bad as it initially seemed. Like I did have a brief moment where I went into shock and I was like freezing cold for a little bit, oh my <laughs> which I'd never experienced before. But yes. like this was about two days ago and it's healed pretty quickly. Like before I couldn't make a fist. And now I'm like close and like it was kind of hard to move my fingers, but like now it's only the ring finger that is a little bit harder to move. And it seemed like I I felt it go through the skin. Ouch. But like it like looking at it now, it looks like nothing happened really. There's just kind of like it looks like I scraped some skin off. But like you can feel like I can feel it like the pain is a little deeper than that. And so I did contact several, well, one nurse and they were like, you're probably fine. You can go if you 
are freaking out to the hospital, but that's up to you. And I was like, yeah, that would be a whole thing. I'll that's play it out. That's terrible advice. <laughs> that, 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 that just feels like they're daring you to <laughs> not go. Fair. And I did it. Uh, uh, I think I'm fine, but we'll, uh, I'll catch you guys up on that later. <laughs> yes. Yes. I actually love a good wound story. So I, I love that. I want the updates. I'll keep, so, I'll keep you guys close to the, the vest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let, let us know. Um, I, I had a similar ish experience probably two or three years ago. Uh, I was, I was shopping and saw that there was a, a jean jacket that was my size that was deeply discounted. And I found out it was because they had, I guess, neglected to, um, at, at, at the, at the end of the sleeve, there's like the button clasp and they had neglected to cut out the little hole where, where the button you know, is secured. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, certainly I can make a hole big enough for this button to go in. And then I have a jacket that is deeply discounted. Um, so I got it and I went home and I got a knife and I, I lined it up and I pushed it through and it was going great until it went through the jacket a little too far widened it enough as to where it started going through the tip of my finger God. and uh and and I instinctually or instinctively one of the two uh started kind of shaking my my hand and my finger like ow that hurt uh I, I I I too went into kind of like a you know the 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 surge of adrenaline and my heart starts beating and and everything um <laughs> i had some pineapple juice to just you know i don't know get some sugar in my body mm -hmm. uh put some ice on it but a few minutes mm -hmm. after everything kind of got figured out um we looked up and there was blood splatter on oh the my ceiling gosh. from where i had uh, you know, flicked my hand in, uh, in, in, in that initial shock. Um, Jeez. So that, I mean, it, it was, it, it looked horrifying. Mm -hmm. um, it was not as bad as it looked, you know, okay. like, yes. yeah, but yeah. I, 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 I probably should have, uh, you know, gotten like a stitch or two or, 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 or something, but I, I contacted a nurse and she said, well, you can go to the <laughs> hospital if you want to make a whole big deal out of it. But... Well, she recommended that I go if I like, like we told her all the symptoms and, or mm -hmm. like the whole thing. And she was like, you probably are fine, but like, I always recommend you go if mm. you like feel like it's worse than it really is, or like whatever. Like, if if you like are like nervous about it, you should definitely go. I was the one who afterwards thought 
well, I don't want to make a whole big deal out of it. This will ruin my whole night. But sure. I got to go to the hospital. Um, this is very reminiscent to my story. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, too, have a story where I stabbed myself while doing something else. Um, so I just sent a picture in the chat. I think you can kind of see. I still have a scar on my palm from this. Oh, yes, um, uh, yeah. And I was trying to warm up. So I don't know if you know Panera soup. They sell them at like Costco and the grocery stores where it's like a quart of soup. And we had put it in the freezer because we got a two pack and we weren't going to use one of them by the time it expired. So we put it in the freezer. And then I had decided that for dinner that night, we were going to have it. And to add context, I was rushing to school, so I was trying to heat it up for myself. And then James, we were married at the time, and he was still on campus, and so I was going to bring him soup, which felt very important. <laughs> uh, and I was also headed to campus to go to, oh, I, I can't remember. It was like some club or something that was having an event that night. Um, and I, it, I was like, I don't want to heat up all of it for some really smart reason i'm sure i had at the time so i started stabbing him with a knife to try to like <laughs> cut off sections and i just straight up stabbed my hand Yikes. Um, and it was uh i also consulted it my, my twin is a nurse i consulted her and she but i consulted her quite later because i was like no i have things to do so i just Put a band-aid on it. <laughs> I don't think I even ended up eating. I think I was like, well, that's it. Um, and then I Thanks. headed to campus. <laughs> and I was like, sorry, James, no dinner. Or I uh, can't. And then um I like the next day was like showing Katie, and she was like, Yeah, you should have gone to the hospital. That's that's pretty deep. But now it's <laughs> like it's fine now. So you can just keep going, but that probably could have had a stitch or two in it. <laughs> well, I'm glad that all these stories made us better people in the end. Yes, there's definitely lessons learned. And clearly we are ready to be superheroes because a stab in my palm is newsworthy <laughs> as are all of our other injuries. So we're, we're ready for the next level. Yes. And oh, go ahead, Davis. Well, I, I was just going to say, unfortunately, this all ties in perfectly to our discussion this week of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, so the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have been on my brain for like the past four or so months. I just like something, well, I can tell you exactly what clicked with me, but uh, so we didn't watch the movies. We didn't do do anything. I think in the future that could be a potential episode. We didn't read any comics or anything like that, but I just wanted to talk about the Ninja Turtles and just kind of let you know my knowledge of it, which isn't vast or anything like that. But what what are your guys' histories with the, the Ninja Turtles? Corey, let's start with you. Okay. So the bulk of my history is from as a kid, 
I didn't even look up to try to figure out what I was watching, but there was a cartoon that was on Saturday mornings that was the Ninja Turtles. And it was like that one. And then, oh, there was an, I think that was like a, there was like Batman Beyond or something that were back to back. And that was a great hour. I don't know how long they were. A great period of time for television. Um, And I feel like I probably watched it for a year or something. So I feel like my childhood memories are really strong. I feel like I know about the turtles. Have not thought about them since, except I haven't even seen the movies because I was like, those look really bad. Um, And Brooklyn Nine-Nine constantly references the Ninja Turtles. So that's (laughs) that's my adult uh experience (laughs) so batman beyond was on between 1999 and 2001 so i'm curious what version of the teenage mutant ninja turtles this was that you well i think there's a really good chance because oh no am i thinking no this is what i'm thinking of there's a great chance because we did not have cable that they were showing reruns yeah. So I mm, that makes sense. I, rem- I remember being yeah. in Florida, which we moved to in 2000. Um, but you know, it could have been early. It could have been like the tail end of it, or it could have been all reruns. Yeah, which would make sense because it looks like the series. There was no series in '99 to 2001, but the original animated series ended in '96. So that tracks to me. That follows okay. rerun schedules in my mind. Ooh, okay. I'm seeing what the animation looks like. It was the night. Okay, yeah. It ended in 96. This is okay, exactly yeah. the animation. And, so yeah, I was just watching random reruns of this. All right. <laughs> in the, like, maybe like 2002. Okay. That tracks. <laughs> uh, Davis, what about you? So I, like, the... The the turtles were a huge part of my childhood, but at that age where you watch stuff and don't retain any of it, uh, I I, sure. I was obsessed with the original live action film with them. Um, watched it like that 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 was just one of those movies that I watched dozens and dozens of times, but. I have like very vague, but very um, vivid, like how to say this vague in the sense that I can't really tell you the plot, but very vivid in the sense that I remember certain details with great clarity. So there's a scene in the original live action movie where they're like, driving down the highway I'm, I'm assuming casey jones is driving the car and they're running over a bunch of um like construction cones or or uh like barriers in the highway yeah and uh april o'neill mm-hmm. anyway uh a- a- april o'neill is talking about like how each of those is a 75 dollar fine or something and and she's just counting that up um also the very weird <laughs> opening scene where we see like master splinter being <laughs> a kung fu master as a rat like yeah yeah like it, it, it's it, it's it's a practical effect but it's very very strange that was i'm pretty sure that was the jim henson company 
who did okay. those that that puppeteering in that movie. That makes total sense. Um, it, it, anyway, like I I have very vivid snippets of mm-hmm. of, of memories, but even after consuming a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle content, I never, like, I, I don't know the personalities of the different turtles or, like, you know, who who is who, even what names go to which colors, which weapons go to which turtles, and most importantly, which turtle I would be. Mm. Oh, which now I've decided is the purpose of this episode is so we, <laughs> every one of the listeners can figure out which turtle you are. Um, well, real quick, my we will we will get to the bottom of which turtle we each are, and I can tell you which turtle I want to be, but I'm probably not that turtle. Just going right off the bat. Uh, so I was born in 1989 and I was probably too young in like the height of Ninja Turtle like mania but I did have a cousin who was like four five years older than me and he was a big like influence on me growing up as a kid but I wasn't like super into the Ninja Turtles, but what I do remember is he had a video game on the Super Nintendo, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time, the fourth video game uh, for home consoles. And I just remember it. Like, that's my earliest memory of the Ninja Turtles. And then, like you, Davis... I remember seeing the movie as a kid, but it was like we went to Blockbuster and we saw it and we rented it. Uh, But it wasn't like I needed to see a Ninja Turtles movie. I was just like, oh, Ninja Turtles. Right. And then, like, I, I, the main crux of my, like, remembrance of the Turtles was this video game. And eventually I remember playing it again like in high school and i was like this is one of the greatest video games of all time and so i had that fond remembrance and then i was like i remember like this being a huge thing so i watched i think i rewatched the movies in high school i think i found some of the dvds for like five bucks each or I rented them from Netflix or something like that. And I started like learning more about the Ninja Turtles, but it was never like an obsession or anything like that. Uh, Cut to about now where I'm more into comics and I'm like, well, this is like one of the like big ones. And so I, I kind of get more curious about it and start looking more into those. And then recently there was a new video game that came out that was called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge, which is kind of like a modern reboot on the type of game that Turtles in Time was. was. A side-scroller? Side-scroller, beat-em-up, 
but like with more modern conventions and a lot like less frustrating to play and they add like cool parts where they play like 80s music or shredder your fight with shredder they start playing like rap music in the background and it's mm. just like an epic throwback game so that game comes out i play through it with some of my friends and i'm all on board with like i gotta know more ninja turtle stuff it like floods the the nostalgia in me and so recently i've been in on more of a ninja turtles kick hence me wanting to subject you guys to talking about it on a podcast we got to talk about the turtle we got to so let me give you a brief rundown on the characters uh you you said you don't remember the colors davis you don't remember the weapons do you remember Corey? Oh, vaguely. And I, I feel like it's one of those things where once you're going to say it, it's going to be like, oh my gosh, of course. I remember a lot of primary colors. Um, mm. I don't remember who goes to which. Uh, <laughs> All right. Wait, uh, like it's like uh, Donatello and Raphael. And I feel like, is Donatello the smart one? Yeah, you got that one right. Okay. I Here's what I'm going to do. You tell me. You tell me and I'll confirm that that's true. I'm going to pull up the theme song okay. to the 1987 cartoon. Fun. And we're going to go through and just to remind you guys. Okay. Uh, we'll skip to this verse, which kind of gives you the thing. So Splinter taught them to be ninja teens. So, of course, we've got Splinter, their master father yep. figure he's a big mutated rat who knows uh karate kung fu um leonardo leads leonardo is in blue yeah he, he is the leader he yeah, the knives wields a sword actually oh okay Ooh. uh and then donatello does machines mm-hmm Okay, I'm not Donatello. I Donatello is who I want to be, but I do not consider myself a Donatello either. But yes, he is the purple Ninja Turtle, mm. and he wields the bow staff. Right. Okay, yes. Also, he is my favorite in the video game because he has the longest reach. <laughs> uh, Crucial inside scroller. Yes. <laughs> Raphael is cool, but rude. Okay. Raphael. I'm one of those two things. <laughs> uh, famously establish your jock. Uh, no, I'm nice. No, jocks can be nice. Uh, we're, we're cool. We're, okay, yeah, okay. we're in 2022. Jocks are nice. Hmm. Um, Raphael is red. He wields the size. PSY. Okay. Yes. Uh, right. The Korean guy? <laughs> uh, the weapon. That looks like a fork, kind of. A weird oh, fork. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> it took me a while. I was like, I know that reference. And I was like, oh, yeah, the Gingham style, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Michelangelo is a party dude. Oh. oh, okay. I distinctly remember him now. Yes. Orange has the nunchucks. 
Dang. Okay. But that basically gives you like Leonardo's classic leader. Donatello is like the smart nerdy one. Raphael is kind of like the bad boy. And then Michelangelo is the goofy party dude. Dang. My, my, no, no, Michael... no. Go, go ahead, Corey. I was going to say, I want to wait till the end. I was going to say, ooh, I want to do it now. And I was like, no, 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 I need to hear more. Okay, yeah. So obviously this has like changed a lot. Uh, but of course, I guess we should talk about the other important characters. We've got the Shredder, who is the main villain, uh, in some iterations at least. We've also got April O'Neil, which in some versions she's a scientist, in other versions she's a news reporter. But she's always a certified babe. <laughs> That's for sure. Um... And we've got Casey Jones, who is kind of like the troubled teen who befriends the turtles, wears a hockey mask, usually beats up people with some sort of uh, sporting equipment. Those are the big ones. I mean, if you want to throw in Krang, he's another well-known alien. Or I guess he is like from another dimension but he's pretty much an alien he's like well, he's a, the, a brain. The brain yeah exactly living what brain about, guy what about bebop and rocksteady they're pretty big too i i would bring them up baxter stockman is another one where he's like an evil scientist who turns into like a fly mutant um but yeah i feel like that covers like the big ones. I guess the Triceratons are they're part of like Krang's army. They're basically just Triceratops, but humanoid. I feel like I mentioned the foot soldiers too. Yeah, Foot Clan is important. Shredder's the leader of the Foot Clan. Um But yeah. I mean, that's basically like the main players in the Turtles universe. So this all started as an independent comic book, 1984, written by uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. And I we're we're going mostly off the dome. I might I might skim some Wikipedia while I'm giving you guys some important information, but. I'm just giving you what I know in this in my recent obsession with the Ninja Turtles. Uh, so they put out an ad at the same time. This is a black and white book they put out. And basically the first issue is the story that everyone knows. They end up killing Shredder in the first issue of this series. Um, but they started it off as like a daredevil parody, but it wasn't really a parody because it was like pretty much its own thing still. But I mean, there's clear, obvious references to daredevil where in daredevil, the ninja army is called the hand. And in the Ninja turtles, this is the foot uh, daredevil is trained by stick 
And in this, they're trained by Splinter. And there's even a panel in the original comic where the person who owns the turtles gets splashed by the same radioactive goo that turns them into the Ninja Turtles. And we're led to believe that Daredevil uh, is the one who owned these turtles. And the same day he got blinded was also the same day the Ninja Turtles were mutated. Quite a day. <laughs> Quite a day. And it, in the comic, it is or the original comic, it's the same as the movie where there's this ninja master who has a pet rat, and the pet rat, before he's mutated, learns how, learns basically learns kung fu or ninjutsu. I guess that's the, the appropriate term, is ninjutsu, since they're all ninjas. Um, from his master, and then later is mutated later becomes a mutated rat with these mutant turtles. Um, and yeah, what I've learned from this original run, I read like the first 20 issues or so of this original run. And it was really hard finding like a collected trade paperback of this. Because anything not written by Eastman and Laird is not collected. And they like reference stuff. And like I, I bought this collection and was confused when they didn't. They were like skipping issues. And then I finally found like a, a set of three books that had the first 20 issues in order. And I completely understand why people ignore this. Like the stuff they didn't write. Be sure. Because it's wildly unconnected just from the brief stuff I I read. But then when they get back to writing the issues, it's like, okay, this is where the story is going. Um, but yeah, I talked a lot. What are you guys' thoughts on the original run of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Again, I am shocked that all of this was happening, like the Daredevil stuff, like there's just so much behind the scenes that I never realized as a casual viewer. Yeah. As a child. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I also, I, my immediate thought when you were like, I can't remember how many issues you, you said, you're like read 20 or something. I was like, Ooh, when, when Brian gets obsessed, he gets obsessed. <laughs> Yeah, like, did you did you read these via microfilm? Were you like in the library? <laughs> did you see? Did you find like digitized copies? No, I I found they. It's called the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Color Classics, mm. where they re-released the first twenty or so issues, um, and like recolored them. Got it. And so there, there were three volumes I ended up reading through in that that set. Uh, but it's insane. Like that's the other thing that's important to mention is the first issue is what everyone like bases everything about the turtles off of. Hey. Their origin, 
they find out about the shredder shredder is also he kills splinter's master and so that's why splinter like is trying to stop him and it's really good like it's a really good issue i'm excited for all of us to read it whenever we watch the first ninja turtle movie uh but from there it's just crazy like they immediately get sucked into another dimension krang is not a main player but there's an alien race that looks like them who kind of were they have like a secret lab on earth and that's where the radioactive goo comes from and there's this like scientist who's trying to figure out uh, like how to like create stuff for this evil triceratop race but he is also trying to like transfer his consciousness into a robot body to escape them and he becomes like a main character and then like the space in between that first issue and then like another kind of major story beat is just like they you can tell it was like a week to week thing where they were just like what do you want to draw what do you want to make up <laughs> uh but then eventually you find out the shredder comes back and they kind of all freak out and they have to go on the run um and then they kind of hole up in this cabin for a while uh the turtles april and casey jones and then they go back they like all kind of like grow and learn and then they decide okay we're gonna go and defeat shredder and then they find shredder and for some reason there's three shredders now and you find the original shredder and you find out the way he came back was he used the worms eating his body to regenerate cells whoa in order to like come back to life <laughs> it truly gets like wild and so yeah man i i i love when comics want to retcon something like like completely retcon something but they don't want to just ignore previous canon and so they come up with these like completely unhinged reasons as to why what you're seeing is real, but yeah. <laughs> also what happened before was real. Uh, I, so, like, I, I, I just want to take a moment to kind of pan out and marvel at how sprawling, like, a, a world and, and cultural imprint Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has had based on these pretty pretty humble origins yeah right <laughs> like like i i some some people have called kiss the greatest rock and roll band in the history of commerce because they license everything and they you know because of that have like a, a huge probably outsized um 
place in in rock and roll history. They they actually, uh, interestingly enough, made a comic with with Marvel, and like the 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 gimmick there was that they used uh, samples of their own blood to. <laughs> I did hear about this. To, uh, to to add into the red dye. Anyway, also that, insane. Yes, yes, very, <laughs> very insane. But the the like the reason I bring Kiss up is because I think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like it, it started out as like a, you know, weekly comic, like you said, and <laughs> I I I don't want to compare it to like Family Circus or or or, <laughs> or whatever, but it, it's it's crazy how how big it has grown based off of like what what started as a comic and I, I i was trying to think of like another another comparison something that you know has like action figures and and trading cards and shows and movies but like you know like like pokemon started out as as a trading card game and they they built a show around it to like increase the popularity and get kids to buy trading cards Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles started as a comic and based on like the the popularity of that and no doubt their willingness to license it out to other like vendors has has grown from that. It, it, do, do you know what I mean? Like, it, yes, yeah. it's, it, it, it's just interesting how they kind of like reverse engineered this, <laughs> but still made it such a huge recognizable IP that influenced kids in ways where they would not remember a single thing about it. I feel like me. <laughs> I feel like it's all in the name. Like, I feel like such a crazy name, like teenage mutant Ninja turtles. That's yeah. That's a really six out. Also going to have to throw in a correction, Davis. Oh, Pokemon Later. started as a video game. Dang it. Oh. Just throwing that out there. All right. I'm uh, in the penalty box. <laughs> so briefly, I'm going to touch on some of the other comic series, except for one that I want to talk about at the end. Okay. So based on the cartoon, Archie Comics did a run. That was basically just episodes of the cartoon, but then eventually kind of span off into its own canon. Mm -hmm. And this ran at the same time as uh, Eastman and Laird's comics under Mirage Studios. And then eventually they gave the rights to Image Comics, which did... They like took over and continued from the canon they had previously built. But this is another one people largely ignore because it gets a little crazy where Splinter eventually mutates into a bat. Donatello becomes a cyborg. Uh, Leonardo ends up losing one of his hands. And then Raphael eventually becomes evil and becomes the new Shredder. Wow. And so they, they kind of went off the rails with that one, and eventually that one's kind of been retconned as like 
this could have happened in another universe. Uh, but the rights went back to Mirage Studios, I believe. I could be wrong about that. And it, it they kind of like did more runs under their own independent studio they made. But eventually the rights went to the comic company IDW, who also does the Lock and Key comics. And they're, they're kind of like the toy comics right now. Not, not in the sense that they're bad or anything, but they're kind of like, they've got the rights to Transformers, they've got the rights to Power Rangers, and people who are fans of these properties seem to like what IDW does with these different properties. Um... But yeah, the, that's basically the basics of the comics. Uh, but let's get into the cartoons, which I think is kind of where the turtles get popular. So they were in talks with toy companies. There's an episode on Netflix of that show, The Toys That Made Us, about the Ninja Turtles. Of course. Pretty interesting. Uh, and we'll learn, too, that Peter Laird, one of the co-creators, kind of regrets what happened with the Turtles at this point. Like, retroactively. Really? Yeah, and Kevin Eastman has kind of, like, embraced it. Uh, but what ended up happening is... They wanted to sell toys, so they were like, we'll make a show and do these toys. But they were like, in the original run, all the covers show all the turtles with red banda or red bandanas. Is that what it is? Over their eye masks? What do we call those? All right, we'll call them bandanas. And so they they didn't really, they like had some distinct personality, but there wasn't like a lot other than their weapons kind of distinguishing them. And the comic was in black and white anyways, so they weren't like super recognizable. And so they were kind of like, okay, let's give them some personality and we're going to give them different color bandanas so like kids know which ones they like want to get or like it'll sell the toys better. Yeah, yeah, and well, and then you would want multiple because it's not just I got a red one. Exactly, yeah, and so, and then they kind of added in like elements from the comics, but of course they had to make it more kid friendly, and this is kind of where like the turtles craze started. Uh, they change April O'Neil to a reporter in the original; she's a scientist. Um, I don't know why they changed her to a reporter, but I'm sure there's a reason they did that. Um, but yeah, other than that, from what I remember watching, uh, Shredder is like, he doesn't like the turtles, but he's kind of working for Krang in order to help Krang either get back home or kind of invade Earth. And so Krang, like, gives, he, like, helps him uh, try to do that. I don't really remember, honestly. 
Uh, but then there's a lot of like stuff with like different dimensions. I know there's like mutants. They uh, befriend. A big part of it is Baxter Stockman creating these machines called the Mousers, which are in the original comic as well, where they like it's meant to like solve New York's rap problem, but it ends up becoming like an end, like an enemy of the turtles. And this is where Bebop and Rocksteady are introduced. Uh, I don't know. My memory's fuzzy on it. There's a lot of seasons. Corey, what do you remember about this cartoon? Do you have any recollection of your experience with it? Oh, I I feel like there was just so much foot soldiers. I remember Krang vague like I, I don't remember episodes of him but like i feel like the foot soldiers were just constantly there um and i like looking back i feel like they had more like really lots of camaraderie so they were like close like family they there's a lot of pizza so much pizza eating um, yes the the love of pizza did also originate in this cartoon oh that's hilarious that's so, that's like half their personalities. Yeah. So so did their use of the phrase cowabunga. Yes. That, that started with this uh with this show. Yeah. They 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 also say Buya uh Buyakasha, which according to Greg Sipes or Sipes, who the voiced voice of Beast Boy and and uh Michelangelo. Mm. He, uh, Buyakasha means quote high glory and love to the very moment close quote now so I... when Mikey or any of the turtles say <laughs> say it it means celebration to the hour or to deliver a final blow to an attack that is from TMNT 2012 so I I think at some point you should look up any video of Greg Sipes talking about anything and all of that will make complete sense after you watch like 10 seconds of any clip. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? I can't quite remember. Oh yes. I was about to blow your guys's mind. Oh, voice of shredder in this cartoon. Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Bel Air. Whoa, that does not compute. Like I, <laughs> uh, he always gives very wise advice to his nephew yep. on the side. <laughs> um, I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. This is, I, I feel like this is to blame for, like, the big craze. Um, but I believe this this show, like, went with a different animation style eventually. And then it ended. There was another show called The Next Mutation, which was, like, a brief live-action TV show they did. Uh, this, of course, introduced... The female Ninja Turtle, Venus de Milo. So there's that. 
idea. I it was a character that was forgotten, I feel. And I don't know why. But oh I imagine God. it I was because the show was bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this looks real awkward. Um why is she like a strapless. No, no, sorry. No. That's not a, that's not close. It looks like clothes on the actor. <laughs> Whoa. Um, and then in 2003, they did a new uh, series, new cartoon, probably more similar to 2003 animation style. That eventually ended 2012. We get the Booyakasha version of the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> or what was the phrase? Booyakasha. Uh, Booyakasha. Booyakasha. <laughs> Uh, this was classic 2012. We got to do CGI animated series. Oh. Um, and then the most recent one, I'm pretty sure it's still going, is Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Which kind of goes into the more modern animation style of kind of like limited 2D animation. But... I guess it's not that limited. I think we moved on from Luna. I don't know. But it's it's a little more abstract looking, I guess, is the best way to put it. Okay. And so that's all I really know about the cartoons. Looking at a lot of pictures of the cartoons, and I don't remember them looking this muscular. Yeah, I think there's one in particular where they go pretty muscular. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weirding me out. <laughs> um all right now we'll get into the movies uh, um, really quick, actually, no no actually let's do it at the end of the movies okay uh, be thinking i want to hear what like you think someone's intro should be if they were interested in one of one of the mediums mm. so comic tv show movie mm, okay I thought you were going to say, like, for some reason when you said intro, I was thinking, like, if you're interested in one of these muscular turtles, what's the best pickup line? <laughs> <laughs> that was not what I was saying. I think like out of everyone's head. Um, well, we're going to get a little bit into that later in the episode. Don't we? Don't you worry. I would say, for comics, read that first issue, and then I'm going to have a recommendation later. For, nice. for the cartoon, I have a lot of faith in modern cartoons. Mm -hmm. And so I probably wouldn't be disappointed if I started the newest one. But I don't know. I feel like... The 80s one is the one where you watch if you want to like figure out like mo what mostly inspired or inspired the current iteration. Thank you. You're welcome. Can I go back and watch an 80s TV show? <laughs> um so the movies capitalizing on the Ninja Turtle boom and around 1990 I think 
they released a movie puppeteered by Jim Henson kind of got the mix of like animatronic heads mixed with like puppeteering and it went over pretty well it's got like a darker tone it resembles more of the comic than the cartoon in a lot of ways but they still pull for instance the colored bandanas and april o'neill being a reporter from the cartoon did you what, what's your guys's experience with this movie i feel like the movies are the big ones that like most people are like oh this is what the ninja turtles are to me Earlier, when someone, I think Davis was describing the movie, I realized I have seen this movie because of how vivid the description of the of it was. <laughs> uh, but that's like, I don't I don't even remember it enough to remember that I've seen this movie until it's described to me. I so fair. I I feel like the movie is like the perfect entry point into the world of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because. From like from its inception, everything in this world feels like a fever dream. And, <laughs> and, and so the fact that like, I, I don't know, may, may, maybe I'm trying to make my very individual experience too universal, but I feel like there are kids of a certain age who saw this movie at least once, maybe multiple times. And and have just like vague recollections from it. But because the source material itself is so weird, like the, you know, what, 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 whatever weird details from that movie you glommed onto just kind of feel like, yeah, you know, it, 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 it it's right. It, it makes sense. Um, and I also <laughs> I'm I'm glad the movies exist because a couple years ago there were images of the PVC suits that they used for those movies and how they are basically now like rotting and <laughs> and, and 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 they look like turtle corpses that that, that are slowly <laughs> being given back to the earth we're always glad for those sorts of images. Yeah. <laughs> um So yeah, it was it was a pretty big success. I feel like it was more of like I want to say it was kind of like more of an independent movie than like backed by like a big studio, but I could be wrong about that. Fives, I like it. Yeah. Um and so it's basically the basic Ninja Turtle story that I explained from the comics. Uh, Casey Jones is there. And yeah. Then they made a second one. Secret of the Ooze. A little more kid-friendly, I would say. And it gets into some goofy stuff. Uh, Vanilla Ice sings the famous song go ninja go ninja go at the end live while they're fighting bad guys uh for some reason they couldn't use 
Bebop and Rocksteady, and so they created new characters, Toka and Razar, which are basically Bebop and Rocksteady, but (laughs) a little different. Uh, I think they might be different animals. I can't quite remember. I remember the names, and I kind of have like a vague image in my head. But I'll look them up. I, I, I... I found images of the rotting Teenage Mutant Ninja <laughs> Turtle suits and uh, the, the the lips have peeled back. And so you That's see sick. all, yeah, like all 18 of their enormous teeth, the, the chin and kind of cheeks headed down to the neck are almost completely gone. And then on the neck and shoulders, it looks like they need to be admitted to a burn unit because there's just like cracking and and dry rot on the, uh, on the suit. I can only imagine what that smells like. That, that is so frightening. (laughs) That's just like, I, that would scare me to death if I woke up and just kind of like saw that in the corner of my room. It, yeah. It's 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 bad news, but also I would buy it. <laughs> for the right oh my gosh, no! Uh, all right, so Bebop and Rocksteady. One's a mutated warthog; the other is a mutated rhino. Toka and Razar. One is possibly a wolf but also could be mixed with an orangutan of some sort. And the other one looks like another mutant turtle, but with like a bird beak and a spiky shell. So I'm not quite sure what exactly, what animals they're supposed to be. But they... Oh, sorry, they were in the first movie, the more I'm looking into this. Yes, Toka is a mutant snapping turtle, and Razar is a mutant wolf. So there you go. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think that the second movie is fun, but it's not as good as the first one. And then you get into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. I think it's just called TMNT 3 or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Um, and that one, they go back in time to ancient Japan and kind of have like an adventure there. And the animatronics, I remember being far worse. And I want to say it kind of like killed the franchise a little bit because it was just kind of all over the place. Um, but yeah, these are like the main movies that people remember. Uh, They did make a fourth movie that was kind of like a CGI semi-sequel that references the other movies. I think I watched that. I don't quite remember how it is. And then, of course, we have the Michael Bay movies, which I have actually not seen. I don't know if you guys have watched those ones. I... (laughs) I have seen about 50% of each of them, but I have not seen either to completion. (laughs) 
Is that because they're so bad you don't want to continue, or just because it didn't hold your interest, or you were um, had to leave? It, it, so, I believe one was play like it, it. It was it was one of those things where it was playing on a plane, but you couldn't start a movie. You just were flipping channels and. I and hate they that. Kind of like pre-programmed, yeah. They're like, "Hey, are you interested in watching uh, one half of Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> starting starting thirty minutes in?" Um, and then, and then the other one, I believe, was on TV. Uh, the second one, I remember not holding my interest quite as well as the first, although neither. Ne- ne- I-, I I wasn't locked in on either. I was obviously a captive audience for the first one, but I I will say the character design for Michael Bay's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is so off-putting to me that unless it were an incredible movie, uh, it w- it would be really hard for me to sit through those movies and be happy about it. Completely free. It's so weird. Did you watch them, Corey? No, I, re- I. They're they're definitely not ones that I have any plans on watching. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I was semi interested, but I'm not like a Michael Bay guy. I think I saw the original Transformers, like maybe like ten years after it had come out. Uh huh. And I remember people really liking it at the time, and then I watched it. And I was like. All right. And but I I mean that's probably not like the most crazy opinion because I feel like those movies have been panned critically especially with each new iteration of them and I didn't hear any good things about these Bay movies. Another iteration where the Ninja Turtles are very muscular. Oh, yeah, yes. very creepy. That's, yeah. that's a part of the issue for me um i they look like a little more like aliens i feel i i i think that's a fair um assessment i i think there's also very much a thing where they're like this as as davis has said is a fever dream of a, a universe and the more you like make the turtles realistic, they cross over to the creepy side mm, yeah. of like trying to make these types of things realistic and it's better a little fuzzy. It's better when it's not so clear. Yeah. The the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Michael Bay verse has significant crossover with uh the New Girl universe. Uh, obviously Megan Fox plays April O'Neil and yes. is featured prominently as Reagan in new girl. Yep. Uh, but also the guy who voices Raphael Alan Richson, Rit Richson, Richson um, plays the guy with a micro penis on, on new girl. Um, <laughs> I'm sure that I can find other. And that translates to all of his characters. Correct. Yes, yes. That, <laughs> he, he, he was actually cast to type for that. Um, <laughs> so yeah. 
Sorry, I, I took a big swig as you. No, no. We're uh, uh, saying that. But very, uh, yeah. I'm sure the listener enjoys the pause. Uh, all right. Well, that's mostly what I know about the movies. I'm going to give a brief overview of the video games real quick. Okay. Also, keep in mind, one of the cr other crazy things about the Ninja Turtles is each iteration of the Ninja Turtles adds new things to the canon. Mm. Like, they're all separate universes, but I feel like if something is introduced in one iteration, it is a lot of times brought over. And so, like, I feel like stuff from the shows trickle into the movies, trickle into the comics, all that sort of thing. And so, but, like, there's so many, like, restarting of the Turtles lore that it gets, like, kind of confusing. Uh, but, anyways, video games. So, there were a couple arcade games... Uh, that were just kind of like standard side-scrolling beat-em-up games. You mash buttons, beat up things. Also, important to note, the Foot Clan, I believe, in the cartoon turn out to be robots so they can kill them. Oh. Uh, and that translates into the video games as well. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, which I very well could be. Um, but they created... Also, a game for the Nintendo that's notorious for being very hard, uh, including a level where you have to swim through a very narrow area of seaweed, and if you touch the seaweed, it damages you. Uh, but then they released a second game for the Nintendo that is just a home version of the arcade game. And then, basically, from then on... Ninja Turtle games were almost exclusively side-scrolling beat-em-up games. Uh, so there was four on Nintendo consoles. There was one on Genesis. There were a couple arcade games. And then there were some games in between then and now that just kind of carried on that tradition of it's a beat-em-up game. Sometimes it's a little more 3D. You're looking top down, but sometimes it's side scrolling again. And that was kind of, as far as I know, what Ninja Turtle video games became. Uh, cut to now, the most recent one, Shredder's Revenge. Great video game, especially if you like beat em up games or are nostalgic for that sort of thing. Uh, but great presentation. Really showcases cool stuff. Yes. If, if I remember correctly, uh, Shredder's Revenge ended up being a pretty difficult game to to beat because every time you would defeat Shredder, a pack of worms would come and heal him. <laughs> and so it, it, it was one of those things like he was basically impossible to beat. It's the classic Shredder. Using his worm powers to come back to life. Uh, this th th this well-known trope of of Shredder being <laughs> being resurrected from worms. Uh, um, 
And then also recently they released the Cowabunga collection, which is yeah, just I'm... oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say I'm I'm looking at this right now on GameStop. Wild, how many games come in this? Yeah. So the thing to note about that though is it's all of the old games from like, Ugh. and so I this is a game I do own the Cowabunga collection, and I played the original arcade game. Um, and man, I'm glad we've moved on past the days where people were just like, how do we get kids to pump so many quarters in this? <laughs> because it is so difficult. And luckily in this version, you can, uh, put a quarter in by pressing the a button or the star button, something like that. And it, like you just basically are dying over and over again and pressing the quarter button Jeez. in order to just kind of like inch past the final levels. Um, but then there's also the Super Nintendo game is on that that I mentioned. Uh, TMNT 4, Turtles in Time, which I am particularly nostalgic for. And so it is a good history kind of thing but if you're gonna pick up a turtles game shredder's revenge is the one to go with i think so um, i really do not play games and i'm like mm, this sounds really fun like i think you could talk me into consuming <laughs> yeah. Here, here's what i'll say about shredder's revenge you okay. could it's very like multiplayer friendly and so I, like I think that. you and James would have a fun time just going. It's not like particularly difficult. And so if you were looking for like a game to play together, it's a good yeah. one where you're just kind of like looking at cool visuals, have some like fun music cues and stuff. And you're basically just mashing buttons <laughs> until you reach the end. But they present it in such a way that's really cool. Okay. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Yeah. All right. We're going to get into the rest of the stuff before we get into the final uh, kind of thing I want to talk about. So, obviously, the toys were huge. I don't think I owned any Ninja Turtle toys. Did you guys? Did I? Oh, what did you have? I have no idea, but it was in, like, I, I went through a phase where I was like, no more Barbies. I want, like, all of the action figures. Um, <laughs> and, like, I did the same thing where it's like, they're basically Barbies. We're just, like, playing stories with, okay, actually, I don't know if everyone did that, but I, like, I would have whole, like, narrative stories that I would make everyone play out or be like, this is the scene. This is what's happening. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I remember doing that all, all the okay. time. Okay. Okay. Yes. So the, that phase I don't of really. play, and I had a bunch of random ones. I, I think there was a Ninja Turtle. Yeah. David, what about you? I, I, I don't have any specific memories of owning Ninja Turtles. Um... So yes, un un unfortunately, if I did own one, uh, <laughs> it 
ma- made its way to the bottom of the pile and was lost <laughs> time. Oh, that sad toy. I know. From what I, I do remember, they were quality toys. Mm. Anyone? There, uh, just there, there, there is a line of toys that uh, corresponds with something that I'm excited to share about in a moment that I would be very interested in in getting. Okay. Um, before we get into that, I also want to mention the trading cards, which recently uh, my local comic book shop has packs of the original 1989 trading cards. Wow. Wow. And so, and they're selling them at the standard price that I feel like, well, on the thing it says 50 cents each, but they're selling them for like two bucks. So they must not have a, like, appreciated in value very much, but I, I picked up a few and I, I, I am nostalgic for trading cards, one, but two, they're fun. They just, they tell a story. And they have scenes from like the cartoon on them, but like on the back, it like tells a story and then it says story continues in trading card number this. And you kind of like piece the story together. Pretty cool. Interesting. All right. But we got to talk about the coming out of their shells tour. What? Thank you. (laughs) Davis, do you, you, what, what do you know about this? Okay. So, the coming out of their shells tour. Let, let, let me look up um, when it was of there. Not not to spoil anything, but I recently listened to a podcast about this with the guest was Michael Ian Black. Oh, okay. So this came out. So it was it was a live tour that that was recorded and then released on VHS and, and, and available for um, like pay-per-view, which I, I cannot even imagine how furious a parent would be in 1990 when they get their cable bill and there's a charge for like $11 and 99 <laughs> because one of their rotten kids watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out of their shell tour. <laughs> Um, yes. So 1990, the idea behind this, well, number one was to make money and partner with Pizza Hut, who was the presenter and sponsor of this tour. Uh, right. I mean, it, it, it's a slam dunk, but the turtles decide that the best way for them to fight crime is to no longer use their their ninja skills, but rather use music. And so they had like a whole set list of them (laughs) singing like eighties hairband music. um, Just a, a wide array of songs, including apparently a power ballad sung by Splinter where he is singing it with his whole chest. Um, April O'Neil comes on stage. She gets captured and she has a whole song about how she's not scared. Um, Anyway, 
And then apparently uh, Shredder comes on the scene and he's trying to like destroy all music everywhere, but he raps in it, which leads to some questions. He specifically raps about how he hates music. Right. Which, you know, we, we could, we could deconstruct that if we wanted to and, and maybe (laughs) talk about some of the uh, cultural or, or like, you know, racial biases that the, that, that the, people who made this might have about rap and, and, and its place in, in culture and music history. But we'll, we'll breeze right by that just to say that of course the, the, the turtles saved the day. Um, they celebrate by getting lots of pizza hut. And I was originally under the impression that Michael Ian black was like played Raphael in the coming out of their shells tour. But somehow the truth is even better. <laughs> he he did not play Raphael in the Coming Out of Their Shells tour. He played Raphael, the turtle who went ahead of the tour and promoted the Coming Out of Our Shells tour oh my by, gosh. By, by doing appearances at Pizza Huts, hospitals, appliance stores, etc. So Michael Ian Black, this to his mind was like his big break. He apparently dropped out of college to take this opportunity where he would get in a, I don't know, 50 pound plastic suit and, and sit at stinky pizza huts in Wichita, Kansas waiting for the real turtles to come in and you know d- deliver the goods yeah here's the here's the couple things i can add to this you you pretty much basically summed it all up and it's it is truly insane and especially if you watch videos of it it's just i don't know it's it's crazy that there was like a whole stage play based on the Ninja Turtles where they promote peace with their music. Crazy. Um, but it's like a, a Ninja Turtles play, but also it's a rock concert. Yeah. That's, that's crazy to me. <laughs> so the creators of this kind of got in on the Turtles boom before it blew up. And they were looking for like a new project and they were like, oh, we could make something out of this property. So they approached Eastman and Laird and were like, hey, we want to make a play out of this. And because it wasn't as big, they were like, okay, well, give us $50,000 and you can do whatever you want. I love that. And so they did... They got the rights to it. They they took out a loan. And it still wasn't enough to fund everything. And so that's when Pizza Hut came in. Mm. And it, I think Pizza Hut came in like closer to when it became really popular. Um, and then it all kind of went from there. Uh, 
but yeah, they like in retrospect they got it for the rights for a pretty cheap deal. Can't believe that this was decided on before it was popular. Like, yeah. To me, I was like, <laughs> well, it would make sense, you know, if like all of these things are happening and like this, we have this big Ninja Turtle craze. Yeah, throw a like make a silly musical to get all the kids to spend money. I don't know. But no, someone had this idea with no, like, no reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you guys watch that clip I sent you on Oprah? No, I didn't. Well, I don't know. There's a, there's a whole interview to promote this tour where they go on Oprah and it is so uncomfortable to watch. It, it it's I, I I follow a lot of cringe accounts on Instagram, <laughs> and that th this this would fit very well there. Yeah, and there's especially a part. The video I sent you guys is a very uncomfortable part, uh, where they basically imply that they have hit on April several times, and make a very crude off color joke that goes over the kids' heads. And thankfully, you can tell that they're just kind of like improving stuff, and <laughs> I don't know it. But like the best part is when they make the joke, the two kids they pan to, their eyes are so wide, and their faces just show complete horror. Uh, the the the. The the turtles did not get pizza for dinner that night. They <laughs> they they had carrots and lettuce, like like every bad turtle gets. Who was this made for? I think it's kids. I think it's like clearly like a okay yeah children thing yeah okay. Um, so moving on, I just got to mention there is a tabletop game like a Dungeons and Dragons style game based on the Ninja Turtles uh, and it's also inspired other board games and stuff but it's reach has gone even further where for a while there were a lot of parodies of the Ninja Turtles which is interesting because it started as a parody the one that I remember the most as a kid was Street Sharks I don't know if you guys remember that show. I do. And it's just basically big shark guys. They're they're kind of like bodybuilder sharks. Oh my. Uh oh, wait. Oh, there's a picture that I do recognize. <laughs> but I, I think there's also the biker mice from Mars is one of them. Uh, those are like the two big ones I remember. Do you guys remember any other like parodies that were inspired by the Ninja Turtles? Hmm. No. I, I'm I'm I just nah. I I just looked up a list. Hit me. Adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters. Sure. Uh. Preteen dirty jean kung fu kangaroos. What? 
I do not like dirty jeans. Yeah, that sounds problematic. That I will say too. There are some things in the Ninja Turtles that like in the movies are a bit more problematic of just kind of like the representation of Asian culture. Yeah. And stuff like that and like I believe Splinter uses like an Asian accent that's a little problematic in a lot of the iterations of the turtles and so but yeah just felt like i should mention that too um but yeah i just remember i i feel like their popularity spawned a lot of like humanoid animal mutant uh kind of similar things your 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 mention of street sharks uh makes me want to recommend two clickhole articles that <laughs> were actually both written in September of 2016 oh wow uh no, no, number one is nine feminist values i managed to wring out of street sharks <laughs> um it's it's pretty good and then Turning back to our mutant ninja turtles, uh, there is a clickhole adventure, uh, or, or ra rather a quiz, which is: Do you have what it takes to show the ninja turtles a good experience at church? And it's, <laughs> it's really great. Um, it's surprisingly hard to get the the turtles to enjoy church. <laughs> oh my gosh all right all of this leads into the current run of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with IDW comics I recently read the first 12 issues I want to say and I feel like if you want to, like, ingest anything Ninja Turtle related, this is what you should look into. Okay. Because what they've done is Kevin Eastman, original creator, comes back to help with this. But what they do is they say, okay, what are the best parts of every iteration of the Ninja Turtles and what new stuff can we add to make this like a really good modern comic. And what they end up doing is the Ninja Turtles and Splinter are all kind of like experiments in a lab. Um, they Splinter has a special he's like a special experiment that he becomes super intelligent um and then eventually they are uh exposed to the the radioactive material or mutagen or whatever you want to call it and then it's revealed that splinter thinks that he's the past version of 
what was his master in the original run. And he's been reincarnated at the, as this rat. Uh, and the turtles were reincarnated as his four sons who were all killed by the splinter. Or, sorry, by the shredder. Uh, and they take kind of like the best of and like they introduce uh, Krang as kind of like another entity who's trying to get this mutagen uh, as well as Shredder and the Foot Clan as well as another group and they, they kind of like take everything but I will say that this is a furry's dream where some of the uh, new animals they've introduced kind of make you feel uncomfortable uh, in the same way that people are like attracted to Robin Hood. <laughs> but so sense. <laughs> And so in that way, it's kind of like, okay, they're trying to make these animals sexy. Yeah. Oh, why does that... Cl okay, I... Wow, I understand everything you're saying. Yeah, and it's uh, further evidenced. I think the image you sent us of Venus de Milo is based off the comics, because they do bring back Venus de Milo in this no. comic run. They, they pull some, like, deep cuts and kind of make it interesting and cohesive. Now, to be fair, the image that I sent of Venus de Milo is fan art that is available uh, for purchase on eBay right now. <laughs> he, he, he's selling eight by 10 prints. Uh, two of them have sold, but five are left. All right, I'm looking up Venus de Milo in the comic, and yeah, she doesn't look like the one you sent, Davis. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they do uh, introduce a new character, Hob, who is a cat that is trying to eat Splinter when they're introduced to the uh, the glowing goo. And Splinter scratches Hobbs' eye out, and he becomes kind of like this humanoid cat that also is trying to like get revenge on the turtles. And you meet other characters, Casey Jones. Uh, they they also started off with Raphael is lost, um, and their like first mission is to find Raphael and Raphael is like already friends with Casey Jones. April O'Neil is a scientist again. Uh, help. Yeah. Helping Baxter Stockman who is working for Krang. Um, but yeah, I found this very engaging and I, I think it's the best entry port entry point to the Ninja Turtles at the moment. They also very fun. Yeah. I totally agree. They also did a recent uh comic book that's set in a different universe where all of the Ninja Turtles are dead except for one. 
This is called uh, something Ronin. I can't quite remember. The last Ronin? Am I just making that up? Hang on. Looking it up. That might be it. Boom! Yep, last the last Ronin. Man. Uh, but he doesn't wear his mask. And so we don't know which one he is. Ooh. And you kind of have to figure out what happened to all the other turtles. Uh, and it's kind of like a, it's it's kind of like a Dark Knight Returns version of the Ninja Turtles. Mm, that's cool. Yeah. Look, looking at the images, uh, well, the like the image, the cover. There we go. Uh, it looks like he has all of the weapons on yeah, his back too. he has everyone's weapons nice further added to the mystery d does he say cowabunga at all that that might help i imagine he would or or, or, or like if he eats pizza a lot or maybe <coughs> he's good with machines maybe he swore off pizza no oh that's too much it's part of his tragic backstory that's how he lived <laughs> Well, that's pretty much all I got. I mean, that was a comprehensive view of the turtles. And now I'm like, yeah. add it to the list. Maybe we do need to watch a movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's a fun franchise and it's interesting how it's evolved over the years. Uh, but yeah, I've really enjoyed like kind of getting into it. And like, I haven't like become a super fan but i've enjoyed kind of like reading wikipedia articles and getting into the like pieces that seemed interesting to me it, it it's it's funny when again something so silly uh can can spawn not only a really impressive like cultural footprint but is able to lean into some of the silliness and still tell interesting, uh, compelling stories. Like Gorilla Groundhog. <laughs> yes. I, um, I, I'm now wondering what other random, uh, cartoons I used to watch on Saturdays that, we need to learn all about. Maybe, maybe there's some other sneaky ones hiding out there that are really fun. Recess. Oh my gosh, I loved Recess. It's a great show. Re Recess had a movie, so now we just need a comic. And, and then it can be considered. The gritty <laughs> retelling of Recess. <laughs> I... I I honestly would be interested in a um in in a recess show that was like uh Degrassi where <laughs> where they like, like Did anyone up. know they they have like a an older show on Disney? Just okay, the, the original recess show? No, maybe this is not I, I'm just seeing like someone drawing and I thought it was like part of like a TV uh, show they made. Maybe maybe not. Maybe this is just like 
someone reimagining it. Hmm. Well, to the listeners, create the gritty reboot of Recess that we need. <laughs> and write a comic. Yes. <laughs> Please. Uh, in the same as the same style as the modern Flintstones. The gritty reboot of Flintstones that they recently <laughs> did. What? And with that, <laughs> I think that uh, about wraps it up. Uh, well, Ryan, thank you so much for giving us this this recap. Uh, and, and again, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. And we will see you next time in the Cinematic Comic Verse. Yeah.